Tēnā koutou no mai, haere mai, welcome to q and I'm Jack Tame. Today, a philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is about, or a politics show airs at the exact time a certain do-or-die World Cup quarter-final is being played, will anyone be tuning in? Of course they will. Of course they will, because this morning is the morning in which we are analysing all the results from the 2023 election. And thank you, New Zealand, because from all over your country, this great country, you have reached for hope and you have voted for change. I'm confident that it's a change government and that ACT has had a record result. I guess it just validates what we were hearing and seeing on the ground and I just want to mihi to all of those who believe in us. We have done the impossible. They're just having a good old party down there. Now, this morning we are going to hear from all of the parties. We have a panel and studio to analyse the results, and we want to start with the big picture. So, in terms of party vote support, it is a clear win for the centre-right. The National Party has comfortably recorded the largest single share of party votes. But don't forget, in MMP elections, it all comes down to which parties can command a majority in the House. So, have a look at the party seats as they are allocated on the current count. National Lear has 50 seats, ACT with 11, that would give them 61 seats together. Labour with 34 seats, the Greens with 14, New Zealand First with 8, and Te Pāti Māori with 4. They've recorded four electorate wins. That means this parliament will have an extra MP. It will be an overhang parliament, a total of 121 members. So, in order to command a majority, you need 61 seats. Again, look at those numbers. National and ACT, they have 61 exactly. Enough for a majority, but with zero extra room to spare. And get this, there are still more than half a million special votes to be counted, about 20% of the total votes in this election. That means... We may need to wait a couple of weeks for all of those special votes to be tallied before it's absolutely clear whether National needs the support of New Zealand First in order to make a government, or if they can do it alone with ACT. To talk us through the state of play, One News Deputy Political Editor Mikey Sherman is here. Morena. OK, let's look at those numbers first of all. So 61, they've got a majority on the current numbers, National and ACT. But do you think they're going to need New Zealand First? 
Oh, look, it's certainly looking like it is on a knife's edge. And I think that's why we saw in Christopher Luxon's speech last night a very warm tone, actually, towards Winston Peters. Uh, and it was a very respectful tone, even in the interviews with the media afterwards. Uh, and that's because game recognises game. Rangatira ki te rangatira. And those <laughs> rangatira know they may very well need each other. So that's why we saw that tone that last night. You would have to say, on those numbers, a pretty remarkable result for National. They, they outperformed the polls, or at least the polls in the last couple of weeks leading up to that election. But talk to us about that, um, yeah, about the contrasting results for, for National and Labor. An absolute thrashing delivered by National last night towards Labor. There would have been a lot of red broken hearts all over the show. And look, testament to Christopher Luxon, he ran an absolutely flawless, strong campaign uh, for a strong 40 days. And look, we saw heaps of those big uh, Labour seats turn blue. Uh, we're talking Te Atatū, we're talking, uh, actually, that, sorry, Mount Roskill, we're talking mm. West Coast Tasman. Uh, and I was down there along the Westland with the mayors uh, last week, and they absolutely gave Labour a drubbing. And those other seats, which are still on a knife mm. edge, Te Atatū, Mount Albert, you know, those are the ones to watch. So a strong performance from National. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think it is a, a, a vote that has been made in support of National and National's vision, or is it a protest vote against Labor? That is the big question, mm. uh, because uh, people will say and they will try to take a bit of uh, the victory away from National on that basis, that actually this was more that people wanted change. But I think based on the numbers mm. and based on the seats that we did see flip, you have to give National their flowers. You know, they did uh, pull it off last night. They delivered a result that no one really saw coming. They just brought it home even, even better than the polls. Heaps and heaps and heaps of electorate seats flipped last night or look set to flip uh, while we wait for those special vote results to come in. So you mentioned some of the Auckland seats. I just want to go through them at the moment. Mount Roskill looks set to remain uh, a national seat after last night's result. The, the lead there is comfortable enough that I don't think uh, Labor's Michael Wood will be back, which is and an extraordinary it's result. gone completely from Parliament. Yeah, which is remarkable. I mean, it is only nine months ago since people were talking about him as a potential leadership contender. Tiatatu, at the moment, Nationals candidate has a very, very narrow lead, just 30 or so votes. So we'll have to wait for the special votes run until we know the state of that electorate for sure. But I think that would have been a shock. A lot of people would have expected Phil Twyford to hold on to that seat. Maunga Kekia, that's flipped from Labor to National. New Lynn looks like it could potentially flip from uh, Labor to National. Takanini's gone National. Mount Albert at this stage looks like it's going to be retained by Labor. But for a period last night, it looked like that might uh, not go Labor's way as well, which again is just just remarkable. So a big slab of Auckland that I think Labor perhaps would have expected to pick up, they haven't. It's and gone that, to national. That sends the alarm bells to Labor. Warning, warning, the party is in trouble. And so the big question now is what lies ahead for Chris Hipkins in that leadership mm. position? He's taken the day off today. He's not uh, public-facing today. So we won't hear from him until tomorrow. Yeah, what do you think? Is he, is he going to stay there for the time being, for stability's sake, or, or to try and rebuild the party from opposition? What do you think I is the think so, outcome? but gosh, he must be tired, because that was a wicked long big campaign. He got COVID in the end and, you know, that job was handed to him uh, at the beginning of the year and, you know, he's had a big sort of run up, but it's been a big year for him. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the performance of some of the third parties last night and perhaps the, the it's interesting to note, first of all, the, the Greens, 
um, with, with an incredibly strong result by their standards last night. So they'll be returning to Parliament on the current vote with 14 seats, 10.8%, the third biggest party. ACT with their best ever result, 9% of the vote last night, 11 new MPs on the current vote. But Te Pāti Māori, I think, is the one that we're going to be talking about for some time. So 2.6% of the party vote, but four electorate wins. And I think most of us expected Waiariki to go to Rawiri Waititi, but some of those other results will come as a huge surprise. Yeah, and maybe some people thought, you know, that Debbie Ngārewa Pekka had done enough, have, had put in enough work, because she absolutely had, to win Te Tai Hauwauru, but she just ran home in that electorate. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, there was all eyes on that Ikaroa Rāwhiti seat. And I think, you know, we saw Labour retain that because... You know, Te Pāti Māori supporters were not happy yeah. with the way that their own candidate uh, was treated when she had to step aside for yeah. Wikawhaiteri coming in. So that was a bit of a protest vote to the party there, so they need to take note. Uh, and then in terms of Calvin and Penny, well... You know, Penny's actually had the uh, closest margin at the last election. Mm. So it's interesting to see that he uh, is looking like he's got his seat uh, under lock. But, but amazing, amazing to see the generational change in Hauraki Waikato going from Nanaya Mahuta, the mother of the house, 27 years in parliament, knocked out by a 21-year-old, Hannah Rafati Maipi Clark, and then in Te Tai Tonga, a seat that I think most people assume would be in the Tirikatane family for the next century or so, going to young Taku Teferis. Yeah, I think there is just that Rino Tirikatane, you know, a lovely guy, great guy, but just, you know, is, isn't really doing much there. Uh, we, we, we don't see a trajectory for him uh, in Parliament, really, and so the voters have obviously seen mm. uh, Takuta and said, let's go. In terms of Hauraki Waikato, look, Nanaya Mahuta came in when she was in her young 20s, actually, so it's not unusual for that electorate and for the Kingitanga movement to get behind uh, such a young candidate. Uh, and I think she was really impressive during the campaign trail. Mm. Nanaya has done her dash. Haere atura. What do you reckon is going to happen over the next few days? I think that it's going to be very interesting because I think we do have to wait for those specials to mm. see where Winston Peters will fit in all of this. Um, but I think, you know, today we're going to see that Brains Trust meeting that Christopher Luxon will hold at his house with some of his senior MPs, so they will come up with a plan, and boy, oh boy, we're waiting to hear it. Tēnā koe So good to see you. Thank you very much. That is One News Deputy Political Editor Mikey Sherman. In the end, it was a great night for the National Party, which outperformed the polls, establishing Christopher Luxon as New Zealand's likely next Prime Minister. A remarkable rise for someone who has only been a politician for a couple of years. I have always said marrying you will be my greatest achievement. I love you and I am so grateful that I get to do life with you each and every day. And I want to say to William and Olivia, thank you so much for all of your support and encouragement right from the moment that I said I wanted to enter politics and public service. So thank you, team. I love you lots. And tomorrow morning, New Zealanders are going to wake up to not only a new day, but the promise of a new government and a new direction. And this great country of ours has so, so much potential, and our new government will help realise it. And I have to tell you, I am humbled by tonight's support, but I am so energised by it too. And I cannot wait to get stuck in and to get to work. Because New Zealanders have chosen change, 
and our new government will deliver it, and we will get this country back on track. Thank you, everyone, and good night. That is Christopher Luxon speaking at National's Victory Party last night, watching that and no doubt delighting in his party's performance was National's campaign manager from this campaign, Chris Bishop. Kelda, good morning. Good morning. How many hours sleep? <laughs> uh, You're looking I, fresh. I, you are looking fresh as I, you always do. That's just the TVNZ makeup team. Yeah, uh, two, two hours or so. They've yeah, got their work. Night. They've got their work cut out this H morning. Hutt South wasn't, uh, you know, finally declared until two a.m. So. Yes. Well, congratulations on winning Hutt South. Oh, there's You're still a few specials to count. Sure. So, um, okay. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to count your chickens just I yet. I haven't had a concession speech, and I'm not declaring victory. Okay. So okay. Um, yeah. What do you think of that result last night? Oh, we're, we're delighted, obviously. Just amazing. Um, you know, basically 39% of the vote, literally bang on, almost 39. Uh, and, you know, in a strong position to form a government with ACT. And uh, we, are, we are delighted. What do you put it down to? I think people got into the ballot box and looked at the track record of the last six years and they said, am I better off now than I was six years ago? Is the country better off? And I think they answered that honestly and said, we're not. Uh, and they looked at the National Party and they looked at whether or not we had an alternative leader that they could put some confidence in, but also uh, a policy platform. And they said, yep, there's some good ideas interesting here. Well, you're suggesting that maybe it was a, it was a, a protest vote against Labour. It was, it was a, an election that Labour lost rather than National won. No, all elections are about contrasts, right? They're about mm. choices. And when incumbent governments go up, particularly after um, six years or even nine years, people have to weigh up the track record and whether or not that track record's going to keep going and they've got to weigh up the alternative. So it's a, it's a compare and contrast of the last few years and what the future might hold. Mm. And so I'm not saying protest vote, but people clearly looked at the last six years and, and you know, I think in a lot of areas the government has been found wanting uh, and they themselves would admit that on things like housing, things like light rail, some of those flagship promises from 2017, I mean, you've, you've discussed these at length with ministers yes. over, the, over the last few months, they just haven't delivered. Uh, and they looked at, at, at National and they could see an alternative. And, and that's been that's ultimately, I think, led to those that, that strong vote. Let's do the arithmetic together. So you just said to me that National and ACT are in a strong position to form a government mm -hmm. together. 61 seats mm -hmm. in a 121-seat parliament. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a by-election in Port Waikato. Yep. You would hope to pick up that seat. Yep. But then, of course, you will need 62 seats uh -huh. in a 122-seat parliament in order to command a majority. Yes. Are you going to need Winston Peters' support? Well, let's wait and see. There's a lot of special votes to count. The Electoral Commission's just literally in the last hour or so released the, the number. I think it's for over 580,000 yeah. special votes. About 20% of the vote is still yet to come. Um, so let's just wait and see. Traditionally, National loses a seat, sometimes two, uh, on the specials. Mm. Uh, so I, I, expect, I expect we will lose at least one. Um, and so we will diminish. And I expect some of those electorates that I think you were mentioning before as well, they will flip around a bit. OK, so if you lose one, mm. that answers it. Mm. If you lose one, you need Winston Peters and New Zealand First support in order to form a government, right? Mm. Well, let, let's just wait and see. There's but if you lose one, that's going to be the case. Yeah, let, let's wait. Provided and see. you don't there's lose a, it to ACT. Yeah, there's a there's a um, and there's a lot of different formulations. Obviously, we've got the complication with the by-election in, in Port Waikato. Uh, there's the special votes that may affect um, other other aspects of it. So let's let's just wait and see. Um, but you would have heard Christopher Luxon in his speech last night uh, very deliberately say. Uh, it looks like on the current numbers we can form a government with that. But he also acknowledged the fact that Mr Peters and New Zealand First have been returned to Parliament and acknowledged Mr Peters' own comments um, and his own remarks to his gathering that he, you know, he wanted to play a constructive role. What phone calls have been made from Christopher Luxon to other party leaders so far? He's talked to David Seymour. Has he talked to Winston Peters? No. 
does he intend to talk to Winston Peters today? Well, we said that uh, during the election campaign that our preference was to govern with the ACT Party and uh, essentially that is what has happened on the current numbers, mm. that the, the public has given National and ACT um, a strong mandate. Uh, and it may be that with the specials, the numbers bounce around a bit and if required, we said that um, we would pick up the phone to Mr Peters uh, and it may well be that that is, um, that is nece necessary to form a strong... But are you going to wait government. until the specials are in before making that contact? I think it's a bit early to, to discuss that. Um, we've got a meeting this afternoon to mm. sort of talk about all of that. Um, it's, it's literally the morning after. Um, I think people's attention is focused on a rugby game. No, it's well. not, but everyone's <laughs> watching us right now. Well, the, look, let's, let's just digest a bit. You know, people yeah. haven't had a lot of sleep. Um, we need to just get the lie of the land and, and see where things are at. But yeah. um, we'll, we'll no doubt be discussing that. Let's talk about Auckland. So uh, Mount Roskill looks likely to stay with National on this. I mean, we, we yeah. are still waiting for these special votes to come. Carlos Trump is about 1,500 ahead. Hard to see um, that, that going. That There's margin a lot changing. of votes to turn around on. Tiasa 2, uh, Labor's Phil Twyford uh, behind by about 30 votes. So that that's very much important. Yeah, at the moment. Angie Nicholas run a great campaign there. Yeah. I'm really proud of her. But, um, you know, I think that, that will probably go back to Labour. Maunga Kekia, National. Yep. Uh, New Lynn, National's candidate currently ahead. Takanini, uh, National's candidate mm. comfortably winning there. So, what does that say about sentiment in our biggest city? Because some of those electorates are electorates which I think most. Labour um, strategists would have expected to pick up? Mm. We've run a really, really strong campaign right across Auckland, right across south-west East Auckland, uh, and we're picking up you know, big party vote swings in all of those seats and you know, potentially some of those seats as well. We've, we've run a really, really strong campaign in South Auckland as well. Um, Shiva Kalari in Manurewa, for example, has run an excellent campaign. He obviously hasn't won the seat, but um, National's done better there than, than in previous years. I think Auckland is generally pretty annoyed with the current government. Um, the outgoing Labor administration. Um, I think I think that does date back to lockdown um, a couple mm. of years ago when, you know, Auckland really bore the brunt of that really long extended lockdown in the, in the sort of back half of 2021. You know, you could sense a palpable sense of anger on the streets um, in, um, you know, the Zoom chats uh, mm. in Auckland around that time. Uh, so I think there's a bit of a legacy of that. Um, but also Auckland is one of those areas where... You know, light rail is a paradigmatic example of a government failure, for example. It just has not happened, has not been delivered. Uh, so, yeah, Auckland has been a very strong result for National, and we're mm. very pleased. It's fascinating to look at the results as they stand. Some very senior MPs are going to be out of Parliament. Nanaya Mahuta mm -hmm. has conceded in Hauraki Waikato. Michael Wood, like you said, is currently well behind in Mount Roskin, looks yet to be out of Parliament. If you can try and remove your bias and just keep your political nerd hat on for a moment, what does this kind of result do to a party in terms of damage, having been there yourself just three years ago? Yeah. Look, I don't want to you know, get too involved in the weeds of the mm. Labor Party trials and tribulations. Um, well, I've been there. It's, it's not a pleasant situation. Mm. I mean, basically, they've got the same number of votes as we got in 2020s, roughly in the mid-20s. So mm. on, on the current numbers, they've got 34 MPs, which is basically what we had as well. It does... You know, diminished caucus like that. Um, I just remember walking into the caucus room after the 2020 election. We we went in with 58. Mm. We ended up with 34. And then, you know, literally 23 MPs, we gave them the silver tray and said, thanks very much for your service. Some of those yeah. guys have been there for just one term. Um, it does, it hits, you, it hits you really hard. And, of course, they're going from 65 is what they started the yeah. parliament with down to the mid-30s. Their, their caucus is basically halved and it, it will be brutal. And 
um, I'm not trying to rub it in or anything like that. I'm just saying it, it's a brutal process, and, yeah. and I do feel for some of those guys so, who, who I know as well. Yeah. On the numbers as they stand, how long do you think it is likely to take until we form a government? Until Christopher Luxon is able to go to the Governor-General and say, yeah, I've got the numbers for sure. Well, it can't happen until the special votes are in. Um, and that's that's a couple of weeks. I think Friday the 3rd of November is yeah. when the government, uh, when the Electoral Commission is signalling that the, um, they'll declare the, the final results. So no, nothing can happen then, until then. Um, and um, but So we, there's a question um, to, to be determined over the next um, day or so around how much of that happens before the special votes are counted and how much, um, you know... Um, happens once that happens. Yeah. So I think we'll have a we'll have a debrief and a digest today and, and you know no doubt there'll be further comments in due course. I'm mm. reluctant to get ahead of the leader uh, of the National Party. Ultimately these are his decisions. But I think the take home point is that the government has changed. Um, that that's very clear on yeah. last night's numbers. Um, there's a strong mandate for National to form that government and the, the Prime Minister acknowledges that and, and we'll just get on with it in due course. Thanks for your time. Congratulations. Thank you. National's campaign manager Chris Bishop. Stay with us. We are back after the break. Hoki mai we Welcome back to Q&A and our two-hour special as we go through all of the results from the 2023 general election as they stand. More than half a million special votes still to be counted, which could change the scenario a little bit. With us this morning, though, a former Labour MP and CEO of Community Law New Zealand, Sue Moroni. Kia ora. And former national staffer, everyone's favourite lobbyist, Ben Thomas. <laughs> Morena. <laughs> I just, I didn't know what, how to introduce you this morning, so I thought I would go with that. Let's get your top line takes, first of all. Um, ben, we'll start with you. What do you make of the results from last night? Um, look, National and Act will be extremely happy. Um, as a block, they outperformed the polls. Um, incredible incursions made into Labour territory and the electorate seats. You know, I think they all expected that the tide would 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 uh, sort of go back, that red tide would go back out. Um, I don't think they expected it to sort of be a parting of the Red Sea and the, and the, and the ocean to be gone. Um, yeah, look, I, I think they'll be they'll be very happy, you know, looking on those specials, but at the same time, you know, in a strong position, even if they do need some support from Peters and uh, New Zealand First. Yeah, what do you think, so? Oh, look, what a wild ride the, the whole sort of pandemic situation has been three years ago. Um, we were talking about a reverse situation, and that's a huge turnaround in, uh, in three years of a political term. So, um, you know, listening to Chris Bishop talk about what they faced three years ago, that's, that's the Labour Party um, today. And so there will be um, there will be a huge disappointment, and that's um, pr probably putting it quite mildly. Mm. Um, some of the electorate results were um, quite shocking. Uh, I don't think anyone anticipated that on either side of the political spectrum. So um, yeah, a lot to think about. A, a lot going on last night. Um, it was it was hard to keep up with what was going on around the country. It's just a, it was just crazy to see such a shift. You know, you think about where we were this time three years ago. Labor had fifty percent of the vote. Yeah. I mean, the first majority government in MMP history. And looking at the numbers from last night, twenty six point nine percent on the current count. Where did the party go wrong? Well, um, I, th I think that. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the turnout numbers um, are. At well, the well at the moment, so just this is, this is at the moment, so it's 78.4%. So turnout is well down yeah. on 2020 yeah. by about 3 or 4%, I think. Um, and I mean, we saw that early votes were down on, on three years ago, mm -hmm. particularly around South Auckland. You look at some of the turnout numbers in South yeah. Auckland at the moment, those preliminary numbers suggest that turnout was very poor in, yeah. in parts of South Auckland. Yeah, so I think, you know, the, when you think about the strongholds of where Labour has traditionally been and the city of Auckland has always been um, a stronghold for the Labour Party. 
what was our organisation like in Auckland? Mm. Um, you know, I became um, <coughs> concerned around about the time of the Hamilton West by-election when we could have expected down in Hamilton, um, you know, the Labour machine to roll on down over the yeah. Bombays. It, that didn't happen. Um, and um, so I think there's there's some questions to be asked about organisation on the ground. You know, for 2020 and 2017, the Labour Party really didn't need its ground game as much as it normally does. And I wonder whether there's some lost muscle memory um, over that period and, you know, the period of time where people couldn't go out and campaign on the doorstep. Um, that's been traditional for Labour. It's been a strength for the Labour Party. has been the ground game, yeah. um, the person-to-person -person ground game, and I'm not sure that it was there this time around. Did Labour lose it or did National win it, Ben? National rode the wave, you know, National very deliberately, and, you know, this is for the last year and a half, we're not talking a new occurrence, they've been running a small target campaign. They've been, you know, laser-focused on cost of living. Um, you know, they've been totally upfront about that. Um, you know, this is an election that was probably decided, you know, a lot by, by trend. You know, you can't beat the trends. You can't beat the external forces. Um, you know, National played on that very cleverly um, and, and they rode that to, you know, a very good victory. Did Labor suffer from not pursuing a more aggressive or perhaps ambitious policy platform? Look, hard to tell. Again, you know, is it policy where they fell down or is it, you know, the record of delivery? Is it disappointment on, you know, a huge number of fronts? Mm. You know, in terms of the reduced turnout from uh, the last election, of course, we saw a big spike in turnout last election. Mm. There were so many people who were, you know, quite rightly, you know, wanting to reward Labour for that first year of pandemic management. Now, subsequent to that, we had a cost of living crisis, you know, interest rates are on the rise, inflation's out of control, uh, all those same delivery failures, light rail, Kiwi build, came back to the fore once mm. we got to business as usual. And there was even the disappointment, some people were picking up in their polling, uh, from people who thought that actually Labour would keep out COVID forever. And then when that finally arrived, they were disappointed on that front as well. Mm. So it was, look, it was a lot to, you know, it was never, go they were never going to be able to hold together an 82% turnout and a 50% vote. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, would a more radical left-wing uh, platform have kept that base. I mean, you know, they, they, they seem to have kept the core Labour vote, you know, the, the sort of floor. Yeah. Um, but I think that, this, you know, around the world you actually see the incumbent governments as they try and deal with the outcomes of COVID-19, they're all suffering um, this, this type of swing against them. So I think in that context, this is not unexpected, but I think the, the breadth of it um, was, was a little shocking, mm. particularly with some of those electorate results. The, 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 you know, I want to speak about electorates and the Māori electorates in particular, because that was remarkable to see last night. Te Party Māori, 2.6% party vote, but winning four electorates. And that, of course, results in a parliamentary overhang. Two electorates in particular, I think, people would be potentially surprised by. Te Tai Tonga and uh, Hauraki Waikato, Ben. The fall of two dynasties. Yeah. You know, um, and look, I got this one totally wrong because I had been going on the national polling for the Māori Party. I thought that their momentum had stalled during the campaign or maybe even gone backwards. But Māori voters showed us again on the Māori roll. They're the best strategic voters in the country. Um, and, you know, a great haul of seats, you know, one that really would have been totally unexpected, I think. And, and also, you know, as, uh, you know, as Mikey was saying, the margin, you know, Debbie Nadi Wapaka absolutely running away with Te Taihauru, who and 
you know, I don't think anyone saw that one coming. So, mm. you know, credit where it's due. Uh, they knew what they were doing with their campaigning. Yeah, it's really interesting, though, to, to see how that affects the dynamics in terms of the House. Because with an overhang of 121, at a, a port, uh, well, of one, uh, resulting in 121 seats, in the Port Waikato by-election to come, it's going to mean a 122-member parliament, which means you need a 62-seat majority. So just try and fast-forward over the next couple of weeks. Do you think it's likely on the current numbers that ACT and National will need the support of New Zealand First to form a government? Well, the special votes will be very interesting because quite a number of those are overseas votes. Um, we don't yeah, not as many as I expected, though. Only about 15%. OK. Which, right. is, which is not... I mean... And yeah, I mean, with how that actually affects the total number, we don't know. Specials yeah. obviously usually favour parties in that left block, but yeah. It's hard to know what um, New Zealanders living overseas are making of the situation back here in Aotearoa. Mm. It's really difficult to get eyes over that. Um, so, you know, I know traditionally the special votes have favoured the left. Don't know if that's going to happen this time around. Mm. Um, you know, this, as I say, there are some unexpected results that have been happening. Uh, it was interesting to hear Chris Bishop, um, you know, look to the past for guidance on that and say, well, look, we'll, we'll probably lose a seat. If they do lose a seat, then um, that does mean they, they're going to have to deal, do a deal with Winston Peters. Yeah, yeah. Do you expect Christopher Luxon's going to start working on that before the special votes are in? I wouldn't think there will be any kind of formal talks, but there might be, you know, a bit of a card of congratulations on the re-entry. <laughs> um, you know, maybe a fruit basket. Yeah. Um, maybe a cup of tea. And, and yeah. cup of tea. Uh, look, I, no, I, would, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't expect any sort of formal meeting. Uh, you know, Winston Peters has always said, you know, well, we need to know what the, the people have given us. Yeah. Um, here it is very important as well, you know. Everything could depend on one or two special, uh, you know, one or two seats changing with special votes. Yeah. But look, you could see the groundwork being laid last night. Um, Peter's looked very relaxed. Um, you know, he might even think that, you know, really having pushed the boat out very far, even for New Zealand First, on some of the issues he was campaigning on, that he might have, a, you know, there might mm. actually be a bit of relief that, you know, he can concentrate on, you know, one or two mm. minor gains as a minor support party. All right, guys, looking forward to having more of a corridor throughout the morning. Thank you so much, Ben Thomas and Sue Maroney. Speaking of New Zealand first, we have done the impossible. Those were the words of Winston Peters last night as the party made it back into Parliament again. Our very own Fena Owen was at the party in Kororareka, Russell, last night, and it looked like quite the party. <laughs> The Right Honourable Winston Peters is in the house again. I must say that when we first said a few years ago that we were going to make a comeback, they all laughed at us. That's right. But they're not laughing now, are they? As the sun set over the bay at Kororareka, guests and a handful of New Zealand First candidates arrived in good spirits. Kia Shane Jones, after an afternoon of fishing. Yes. It'll be a far more uh, convivial spirit than in 2020. What was that like in 2020? There's that, that picture of you sitting among those black and white balloons and you're looking very deflated. You, not the balloons. Ragged ribbons, deflated balloons, and a lost Matua Shane Jones. Not this time round. You don't think so? No, no, no. no. We're very... Very confident. Familiar faces from the north were there, like former Labour Party minister Dover Samuels. The man from the Snowy River, if you like, right? on the horse, riding from the, riding back from the sunset into New Zealand politics. To do what? To save us all? Well, I don't know whether it's to save us all, 
but he certainly brought a little bit of colour and a little bit of excitement for our people in New Zealand. No matter what you think of Winston Peters, his career in New Zealand politics is unrivaled. His first election campaign was 48 years ago, 1975. He got into Parliament in the following election with National, but in the early 90s, after a falling out... He was, in fact, running a Lone Ranger operation. ...started his own party, New Zealand First. Since becoming an MP in 1979, he's only had two terms out of Parliament. He's held the balance of power twice and was famously accused of keeping the country waiting for a decision in 1996. We're just going to have a talk about things. What sort of things? Things that come up. He went with National then... Hi, Helen. <laughs> ...and in 1999 with Labour. He's served as Treasurer, Deputy Prime Minister twice, and had two stints as Foreign Minister. Now he's two times the comeback king. New Zealand First announced its comeback two years ago. So many critics and scribes have tried and continue to write our obituary. It was slow going in the polls, but by mid-September, New Zealand First had moved up over the 5% threshold. Side. So on these numbers, Winston Peters is back in the game. Spirit of festivities is about to kick off. Back at the Duke of Marlborough Hotel, New Zealand First supporters were watching the party vote creep up over 6%. That would mean Tanya Ankovic, number eight on the list, may well be in. And what's attracted you to New Zealand First? Common sense party for all of New Zealanders. Okay. What, what do you think about, um, you know, comments about your sort of anti-vax or so-called... or Silly comments. Are they silly? So, so, you, so you're not on the Telegram um, Nuremberg... I'm focusing page. on New Zealand first getting back into Parliament. No other comments. Thank you. So at this stage of the evening, the numbers are looking good for New Zealand first, but we are playing... Where's Winston? He's probably upstairs here in the Duke of Marlborough, no doubt with a scotch on his hand and a smile on his face. But was he really dancing for joy when he did show up? National and ACT may not need him. The number one objective had to be to get in government, though, I guess is the question. No, the number one objective is to be back. Because you can't do the number two objective unless you get the number one objective. What's your question? You've been around long on these guys. Uh, Mr. Peters, but you said uh, if we could help, we will. Is that a signal to National that maybe they'd like another coalition partner? No, it's a state, great statement of patriotism. So what? what, what? Uh, this part is called New Zealand first. <laughs> we have done the impossible. Yes. But now the waiting for the final numbers, which candidates are in, and what lies ahead for New Zealand First. To all those candidates who should be in Parliament with us tonight, thank you for trying and hang on, because it's an election in 2026 and we're getting ready for it. Yeah! With St Peter's speaking in Kororarika Russell last night, and that is where Shane Jones is waiting for us this morning his party having been re-elected to Parliament. Tēnā queer Shane. Thank you so much for being up bright and early. Looks like a gorgeous morning there. Congratulations on the result. First of all, uh, your, your response, your reaction to the results from last night. Yeah, kia ora, folks. Look, it's reflective of the two years of hard work. Obviously, our leader, Winston, covered the four winds of the country, packed the town halls, and um, we had a really spirited campaign, and the dividend has arrived.
what do you make of the election results more broadly? Oh, as you know, I came into politics in 05 with Helen Clark, and the result in the Māori seats reminds me of the time uh, when Dr. Sharples and Korowetere and others um, all disappeared in 1996, it, uh, it, and also in the days of Helen Clark. So uh, there's uh, substantial changes there in the Māori seats, and it's rather ironic that the strength of the Māori seats actually increases the value of the joker in the pack for New Zealand First. Yeah, talk to us about the joker in the pack. What do you see the role of New Zealand First being in the next government? Too early to tell. Obviously, as Winston said last night, um, let's wait. The cards are still being shuffled. And uh, it's between 15 and 20% of these votes that still need to be counted. But I'd remind everyone, 2008, 11, 14, 17, the Tory vote went down. And in some cases, they lost up to two seats. So there's a wee bit of uncertainty to go just yet. Would you say then that the likeliest scenario is that New Zealand First will be required in order to command a majority of the House? Well, as I said, mate... Uh, <laughs> I spent uh, the night, ex uh, I, I exchanged last night uh, a gallon of plonk uh, for a victory cigar. So let's just tie ho there, mate, and uh, wait uh, until all the votes are counted. But uh, Winston has said uh, both last night and earlier during the campaign, uh, we're here to put the interests of garden variety Kiwis to the fore. When is Winston Peters expecting to have conversations with Christopher Luxon? Well, I'm not entirely sure whether or not uh, Christopher Luxon has um, sent any messages uh, our way. A number of the members of his caucus are well known to us. Uh, obviously, Mark Mitchell and myself, we all played in the Golden Oldie rugby team. But look, those discussions at this stage are above my pay grade, and I'll, I'll leave it to, uh, as we say in the north, the Rangatira, Winston. Mm. So, so, so if New Zealand first is a part of the next government, or New Zealand First support makes up um, the formation of, of the next government or a component of the support for the next government, what will be the priorities for your party? Oh, look, I want to remind people that um, during the lead-up to this campaign, we were marginalised. Uh, our contribution was undervalued. Uh, the voters have spoken. Obviously, there are ongoing issues still to be addressed pertaining to the way in which the whole COVID experience was managed. Uh, both Winston and I, with our roots to the north, want to ensure that the treaty is not continually uh, unhinged from its historic moorings. But uh, nothing trumps the uncertainty, anxiety that garden variety Kiwis feel about paying their bills and um, being secure in their own houses, in their own company and in their own community. I mean, we campaigned on these things. One of the dynamics that is most interesting to me from the results last night is that at the same time we've seen ACT record its strongest ever result, we've seen New Zealand First return to Parliament and National recording a relatively strong result. ACT and New Zealand First, of course, having campaigned with pretty strong messages around the role of the treaty in New Zealand society and New Zealand law, New Zealand governance, Compare that with the rise of Te Pāti Māori, a party that says explicitly it is a tiriti-centric party. How do you see those kind of dynamics and, and divided politics playing out during the next parliamentary term? 
1975, Winston was the lawyer for the Ngāti Wai Land Retention Committee. In the 90s, I rose to be the Treaty of Waitangi Fisheries Commission Chairman. There is nothing about the treaty that can be taught to Winston and I. And one thing that we are not in agreement is the movement away from a bicultural, bilingual uh, comprehension of the treaty. This notion that you can only understand the treaty through the Māori language version, and I grew up speaking the Māori language, mm. it is both wrong and it needs to be restored to Eddie Jury, Machurata, and that generation, when they kicked off the whole treaty experience, it needs to be put back into a more balanced position. What's on the cards today? Uh, yesterday was uh, fisheries. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm going to catch the end of the All Blacks game. You can hear a little bit of uh, shouting in the background. But look, it was black and white victory um, in terms of restoring us to Parliament last night. And uh, all going well. It'll be an All Blacks victory later during the course of this morning. Very good. On that note, thank you so much for your time and for getting up early for us this morning. We really appreciate it. That is New Zealand First returning MP Shane Jones live for us in Kororarika, Russell. We will be back in just a moment. Hoki mighty, we welcome back to Q&A. If you are just tuning in, let's consider the numbers as they stand from the election last night. So this is the party vote as it stands. National at 39%, Labour at 26 the Greens at 10.8, Act recording its best ever result at 9. New Zealand first at 6.5%. Te Pāti Māori with 2.6%. But keep in mind that Te Pāti Māori looks set to win four electorate seats. So have a look at the numbers in the House. This is what that would mean. Four electorate seats means we face a parliamentary overhang. An overhang of one seat at the moment that's likely to be extended to two seats once the Port Waikato by-election is held at the end of November. So at the moment, with a 121-seat parliament, National and ACT together would have 61 seats. That would give them a majority, but with no breathing room either side. If National were to win the Port Waikato by-election, their incumbent MP there, Andrew Bailey, is likely the favourite at this stage, they would still have a majority of 62 seats in a 122-seat parliament. However, again... It is a, a very narrow majority. There's no breathing room either way. But remarkable to look at the performance of some of those third parties there. The Greens returning with 14 MPs, New Zealand First with eight, Te Pāti Māori with four, and ACT with 11. What will the future hold? Well, I can tell you it is a future of change, a future of real change, and a future where once again New Zealand is the best little country that can because we believe that each person has a right to make that difference in their own lives, that we are not subject to some government that decides for us. And those are the values that have brought people to these shores for generations and made New Zealand the country that it is. We thank you again. So for everybody here who's made this campaign possible and participated in our democracy tonight, have a celebration. But I can tell you that for New Zealand, North and South, men and women, rich and poor, and from every race, class or creed, there is a better tomorrow and we get to work on making it happen after this historic vote, not just for change, but for real change, to be at our best, to be our boldest, and to be the New Zealand that we've always believed we can be.
Thank you very much. You have done this. You have done it. Thank you very much. That is Ag Leader David Seymour speaking at his party's HQ last night. And David Seymour is with us this morning. Morena, congratulations. Good morning and thank you. Did you get any sleep? Oh, yeah, yeah, I no, slept well. <laughs> I, I noticed that the tie is the same as last night. I'm assuming you've got five or ten of those. You're not just, you haven't had to, you haven't had to sleep in those after a, celebra a celebration last night. Oh, no, 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 no. This is um, my favourite tie. I figured I should wear it because I'm talking to you. What did you make of the results? Um, look, first of all, New Zealanders have voted for change um, and there's been a record result uh, for ACT, which we take as a sign that there's a sizeable number of people who want that change to be real. Um, and so we now look forward uh, to rolling up our sleeves and, and getting stuck in to repay the trust that voters have put in us. Have you had conversations with Christopher Luxon yet? Um, we certainly have, not, not the, uh, this morning, but uh, all day yesterday we were talking on and off um, and we're going to have to talk a lot more over the next couple of weeks. Did you communicate last night? Um, we didn't last night and not, well, certainly um, not, not after about eight o'clock. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there will be some, I mean, first of all, absolutely, Act's best ever performance, 9% on the current vote, which, you know, will return you to Parliament with 11 MPs. Mm. Is there a part of you that wishes it could be just a little bit higher? When I mean, you think about uh -huh. the polls a couple of, just a couple of months ago, yeah. you were in the double figures for the longest time. Yeah, no, of course, you always wish that, that you'd done better. And I think people will ask, well, you know, what happened? I think basically ACT told a series of truths. Um, first of all, we, we do need an honest conversation around the role of our treaty in modern society. Um, the government's books are in a terrible shape. We are going to have to reduce expenditure. And uh, we're going to really stick to our guns and fight for those changes in any governing format. And of course, you know, a lot of those truths, I think, need to be told, um, but often weren't well received. And that's just reality. But the fact is, we got a record result by being true to ourselves. Uh, and we're now in a position to do what we see as the important change that New Zealand requires so that it can reach the potential for the next generation and the one after that. Do you think it is likely that National Enact will require the support of New Zealand First to form a government? Yeah, it's certainly possible. I don't know about likely because you, if you're a Democrat, you've got to respect every vote. And of course, not every vote's been counted yet. There's about half a million people who made a special vote for whatever reason. Um, and those votes will be counted over the next couple of weeks. Let's see what that delivers. Of course, the, the Port Waikato uh, by-election and, and I acknowledge um, our, our loss of our candidate there, yeah. Christensen. Um, that also creates another um, constitutional wrinkle. So there's a few balls up in the air. Um, but what I do know is that uh, you know, ACT has got a, a strong mandate, some support, some very talented MPs coming in, in addition to our returning ones, uh, and also a big debt to repay from all those people who have put their trust in us, and that's what we're focused on doing, regardless of what governing format emerges after the special votes. Would a bare majority two-party coalition or similar provide New Zealanders with more stable government than a support agreement involving three parties? Yeah, I think basically it's just mathematics. It's going to be simpler to have um, two parties that you can actually clearly see want to work together. I mean, if you listen to what Chris Luxon's been saying, listen to what I've been saying, uh, strong preferences to work together. Um, while there's differences in how far we should go and how we should get there in some cases, um, we have broad agreement that New Zealand needs to change. We mm. need to make state services a lot more efficient <coughs> because we've hosed the money and not got the results out. 
You know, there's got to be a change around crime and law and order. That's not fair. And there's got to be a change around uh, our identity as New Zealanders. So I think basically you can fill in the details under those headings, but you have a government that can work well together. As soon as you bring in a third moving part, that's more complex. But like I say, that, that may still be the will of the people and we'll have to respect that. Talk to us about the Tamaki result. Brooke Van Velden there becoming the new MP for Tamaki in oh, your neighbouring electorate. Yeah, look, we're just, I'm so proud of Brooke. I mean, I've known Brooke for almost 10 years. Um, she is a very special individual, a very talented and hard-working individual. And if you look at what she's done, um, it, it helps that she's always wearing the same colour. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, but, it, but she's actually managed to make herself so visible that she's seen as being everywhere. And she has been. I mean, she's basically not left Tamaki for the last six months. She's done street corner meetings, door knocking, delivered mail, mm. gone into shops, held public meetings. I mean, she's done it all. Um, and I think that she's going to make an excellent, excellent local MP for people in Tamaki. Back to the mathematics. Axe still has a bit of cash, right? Um, well, I'm not, not going to reveal that. Right okay, now. okay, okay. We're, no, we're, the, we're very okay. grateful. I'm not asking so you for exactly what it seems. We're very grateful for the people who. Sure. Around 16,000 <laughs> people actually who've made donations to ACT over the last three years. The, the reason I ask is because is I want you to give us a sense as to how aggressively ACT intends to contest Port Waikato relative to other electorates. Um, you know what, we, we haven't really thought about that. We, we view that by-election through the, the lens of, mm. of the person that we lost there in the middle of the campaign. Um, and then, of course, we've been focused on this election. But certainly we will, um, we'll, well, we'll almost certainly stand a candidate, but we will have to think through what the implications of that might be. I would have thought that given the swing towards <coughs> the right, given the majority Andrew Bailey already had, um, he would be fairly safe there, but of course that's up to the people of Port Waikato. Um, finally, very interesting to look at the results in some of the Māori electorates last mm. night. So Te Pāti Māori on the current numbers will be returning to Parliament with four MPs mm. contributing to that overhang situation. That is a party that explicitly says it is a tiriti-led party. So given you have said your number one priority is a conversation or potential referendum on the principles of the treaty, how do you see those dynamics playing out in the next parliamentary term? At one end of the spectrum, you have a party that says we're tiriti-led. They have four new MPs in Parliament or four MPs in Parliament. At the other end, you have ACT with its highest, ever, uh, highest or largest ever caucus. Mm. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, I think you may be reading a little bit too much into that Te Pātū Māori result. I mean, you know, actually electorates have been lost by... Labor's lost electorates to just about every party. Um, if you'd told me that my old school... N Nanaia Mahuta and Duno Tirikātini, though, are rangatira, and I think many people heading into yesterday's election would have expected those seats to hold. I think a lot of people would have expected Michael Wood's seat to hold him. Yeah. Mount Roskill is, you know, the, the seat of Phil Goff for about 100 years. I mean, Mike, Michael Wood mm. was... So, my my point know, is that yeah. Te Pāti Māori yeah. has momentum, right? And so does ACT. And, yeah. and, and you are, at least on that issue, mm. ideologically about as far as part as it's possible I, to be. I, well, I, 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 chal I mean, I've challenged the, the premise there, <coughs> but, but putting that aside... Um, I think what's important, if our Tiriti led, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but we want the treaty to be properly understood. And I think perhaps a misconception is that Acts referendum, Acts ideas around the treaty somehow diminish mm. the treaty. No, the opposite. We want to deep, more deeply enshrine the treaty within New Zealand's constitutional arrangement. 
but a treaty that's properly understood as a document that, as I've said to you in these interviews before, yeah. says we have the same rights and duties, uh, a treaty that brings people together rather than divides. Because if you actually read it, it's very good. It's the interpretation and the meaning that's been generated okay. over the last 30 years that we're opposed to. No doubt we are going to be discussing this issue a whole lot in the coming months. Sure. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Thank Congratulations you. on the result last night. No worries, Thanks, Jack. Thank you very David much. Seymour. Cheers. Stay with us. Q&A is back after the break. When the tide comes in big, it almost invariably goes out big as well. That is the nature of politics. But the Labour Party is still here. We're not going anywhere. And we will get up again like we have many times before. Thank you. Thank you, New Zealand, for the honour and the opportunity that you have given us to serve and to move New Zealand forward. And finally, some special thanks to all of you, our Labour team, our Labour whanau, our volunteers and supporters up and down New Zealand. Thank you so much for everything you have done. To Jill Day and the team at Labour Party HQ, thank you for all of the support that you have given me and all of our MPs and candidates during this campaign. Finally, to my family, for everything that you have done for me. That is an emotional but dignified Chris Hipkins speaking at Labour Party HQ last night. Megan Woods was Labour's campaign chair for this election campaign and she is with us this morning. Tēnā queer, thank you for being with us this morning. Politics can be brutal sometimes, and I know you've come a long way in the last three years. You know what things are like on both sides of this coin. So can you just give us your reaction, first of all, to the results as they stand? Uh, oh, oh, kia ora. It's great to be here. Look, I, I think obviously this is not the result we either hoped for or wanted. But um, as you as you say, politics can be brutal. And I think um, um, that Chris summed it up really well last night when he said, um, you know, tides that come in um, also go out. And I think that mood for change was just so strong out there. Um, I think that's something that was coming through really clearly. Um, and we've seen this around the world as well with um, COVID incumbent governments and I think that um, certainly um, I'd like to echo everything that Chris said in terms of um, thanking all the people that have um, worked so hard for us in this election. From a campaign perspective, is there anything you think you could have done differently? Oh, look, we're going to have to go back and have a look at that. It's it's too soon to make that call. I think one of the things, if I look at the mechanics of the campaign, um, the number of um, doors doors we knocked on, the phone calls we made, all that kind of direct voter contact that we've made, we've had a phenomenal group of volunteers and a dedicated group of candidates that have been out there working really hard. But as with any campaign, um, and certainly as with any losing campaign, we're going to have to go back and we're going to have to review the campaign and we're going to have to ask ourselves all those questions as you'd expect we would. What does your gut say? Would it perhaps have benefited the party to run on a more ambitious policy platform to perhaps pursue policies around tax reform? 
Look, I think it's too soon to say. Just kind of a, a quick look at the kind of the overall look, drilling down into some of the electorates last night and this morning. What we can see is that turnout was down. Um, I think that's one of the things there, about a 4% decrease from last election. What we can always also see is I think that uh, the um, everything that Auckland has been through in the last few years, um, that we certainly lost vote in some of those Auckland seats. So we're going to have to go through and we're going to have to, to look at this really systematically, uh, both from um, a kind of campaign mechanic, mechanics, when the votes fell, where they fell, all those kind of things are things that we have to look at properly. So I'm not going to speculate this morning, Jack. What do you expect will happen once those special votes are counted? More than half a million special votes still to be counted. And if previous elections are any guide, we might see some movement in terms of the overall seat allocation. That's right. Certainly I think we'll see some movement within seats. There's some incredibly close seats out there um, in terms of margins of, you know, um, less than 100 in some cases. So I think we might see some movement around within the seats. But certainly we could well see seat, uh, the overall allocation changes, you say, as well. So I think it is still a live question what the shape of the government is ultimately going to look like in terms of whether or not New Zealand First will be required to make up a majority. So I think um, there, there's, there's still some um, days to go in terms of, well, weeks really. We've got two weeks till that final count comes in on the 3rd of November. So there's still a bit, there's still some time. And, and as you say, half a million votes that still need to be counted. That is a massive slab of votes still to be counted. It's fascinating to look at uh, some of the electorates that either flipped from Labor to National or looked likely to flip or uh, only have allowed for a narrow lead for Labor candidates at the moment, particularly in Auckland. So I'm just going to run through some of these electorates. Mount Roskill, Te Atatū, Maunga Kēkē, New Lynn at the moment. Uh, I mean, even um, Mount Albert at one stage looked like it might uh, favour Nationals' Melissa Lee. What do you put that shift down to? And again, these are the things that we're going to have to go back and, and have a look at. But as I said in some earlier remarks, sort of that first look um, at those seats in Auckland, we can see two things. Um, we can see that turnout in some of those seats were, was relatively low, uh, particularly um, not only the seats you're talking about, but some of our sort of Labour strongholds, we had um, quite low turnout in those seats. Uh, but also I think we can see that um, in Auckland we've, that we had lost some ground and that, that is telling in those seat results but we're going to have to go through and we're going to have to analyse this properly and as with any campaign we'll, we'll have to ask ourselves the hard questions. Yeah, a, a couple of last questions. I wondered if for a moment you could reflect on the contributions of two of the more senior MPs in your party who on the current results look set not to be returning to Parliament, Nanaya Mahuta and Michael Wood. Yeah, look, um, I think um, they are two very surprising results. Um, I think that um, what we've seen over the last two elections, um, that we've um, seen what were once considered really safe seats, um, that flip with the, with the kind of the, the overall national vote, um, countrywide vote, I mean, uh, we saw it with the National Party last election and we're seeing it with Labour this time. And that, this is quite new, I think, in New Zealand politics. There used to be seats that 
you could bank on that could survive swings, and we haven't seen that. But look, the reflections, but um, Nanaya has um, been such a long-term MP. She's been through some tough times. Um, she was um, she survived the seabed and foreshore vote um, and came through and won there. Um, she has been such an anchor for our party for so long. Um, and Michael, um, he, he came in um, on a by-election when Phil Goff um, left um, to take up other opportunities. I and mean, he has contributed an immense amount to our caucus um, and to us as a cabinet as well. So they're big losses for Labor. We've lost some friends and some colleagues um, and we're going to have to, to regroup. Um, and as Chris said last night, uh, we need to, to pick ourselves up again. We've done it before and we will do it again. If Chris Hipkins chooses to stay on as the Labor Party leader, will he have the support of the caucus? Oh look, um, I think Chris summed it up perfectly last night when he said, "You know, we've got to we've got to pick ourselves up. We've got to rebuild." Um, that I think we've seen that Chris has led us so well through this campaign as our leader. He's been the prime minister for nine months, um, and he really did provide that that leadership for us going through. Not the result we wanted or that anyone hoped for, um, but I think that, every, that Chris has everybody's respect for how he led us through it. Sorry, I'm just going to needle in just a tiny bit more on that question. My question was, would he have the support of the caucus to remain as Labor leader? I know he has the caucus's respect, but would he have support to remain as leader? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to sound ambiguous um, there at all, Jack. Yes. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. I know it's a difficult day. and Like we said at the start, politics can be brutal. So we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning. That is Labor's... Thanks, Jack campaign chair Megan Woods with us live from Autotahi Christchurch this morning. We're back with our panel now, Sue Moroni and Ben Thomas. What do you make of the future of Chris Hipkins, Sue? I think that um, my assessment would be that Megan is correct, that if he wanted to stay on in the role, he would have the support of caucus. Um, you know, it's hard to fault the performance that he put up. Uh, there was an issue around um, around their policy around taxation, and that was very poorly handled. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but outside of that, I don't. I think it's really hard to fault his performance, and I believe he would have the support of the caucus going forward. But that will be a decision for him to make. Mm. Um, he's been in opposition before. Uh, he knows how um, how relentlessly awful it can be. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a decision to make, and you know, he's 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 got uh, he's young. He's he's got you know a future ahead of him in Parliament if he chooses to stay there, or he can pursue other avenues. What do you think, Ben? Look, especially in that last week, last two weeks of the campaign, you would look at Chris Hipkins in those debates and you'd think that looks like a really good leader of the opposition. Um, you know, he was really sort of, you know, whacking Luxon around, uh, you know, really taking the fight to him. Um, you know, it could be that that's what's best for the party in terms of continuity. Um, I don't think anyone will really be listening for Labour's, you know, intricate new policies for a couple of years yet. Um, and if what they, if you know, what's best for them is to just sort of, you know, mm. hold the government to account, maybe it's better to keep Hipkins in there rather than you know wearing off somebody else's capital. One of the strange um, impacts of the results last night is because Labor lost so many electorates or looks set to lose so many electorates, some of those relatively senior MPs and ministers who are at the sort of 16, 17 mark on the Labor list should be returned to Parliament as list MPs. But would you expect, given the result last night, that we are likely to see some senior Labour MPs stand down, Sid? Yes, I think they'll be considering their options um, once the dust settles this week. 
uh, because there are a number of them who have been um, in and out of government and opposition mm. over a long period of time. And they'll certainly be considering whether they have the, the energy for um, another uh, another term in opposition. Mm. Um, they'll be thinking about, they'll be assessing whether they can do what the National Party did in the, in the last three years and, and return very quickly, or whether this is a long spell in opposition for Labour. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, look, you know, trying to force it, I think, uh, you know, only leads to the sort of troubles that we've seen with, you know, high turnover of leaders, you know, high expectations. You know, they need somebody to kind of steady the ship, somebody who doesn't necessarily expect that they're going to be Prime Minister in three years. Um, and that could be Chris Hipkins, who just lost the election. Um, but then again, you know, is that what he will want to do? Yeah, that's probably a different question. But I would expect that we'll see a lot of retirements uh, among those veterans. All right, Ben Thomas and Sue Maroney, our panel this morning. Great to have your views and thoughts. Analysis from the results last night. We'll be back with you shortly. One party we haven't discussed much yet this morning is the Greens. On the current results, the Greens look set to win three electorates. A remarkable result. They'll be returning to Parliament on the current numbers with 14 MPs. Green Party co-leader James Shaw is with us after the break. Hokimai, welcome back to Q&A. Twice now, the Green Party has had ministers in government and then defied political gravity by coming out of an election stronger than before. Co-leader James Shaw is with us this morning. Kia ora. congratulations on your result last night. Thank you, Jack. I'm asking everyone this. How many hours sleep, dare I ask? Oh, it was at least four. Ah, oh, that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's positively Winston Peters-esque, I believe. <laughs> um, what do you make of the result last night? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, we're uh, sad to be out of government, you know. Um, uh, you know, we're really proud of the work that we've done over the last six years and would have liked to have been able to continue that for the next three. But we had a banger of a night, you know. We, like you said, we had a historic result in a number of ways, mm. uh, returning stronger at the end of a term of government, the only party, support party, to have done that. Um, uh, Chloe held Auckland Central. It's the only time we've ever held a seat for two elections. She won it against the red wave, kept it against the blue wave. Uh, we've won, we've turned Wellington green. You know, we've got, looks like, two MPs there, um, as well as the as a green mayor. So, um, you know, it's it's a fantastic result. And, and we've got, at, at the moment, as many green MPs as we've ever had before, right? Mm. So we're back at our high watermark of 14 MPs. So it's a good, it's a good result. You said you are disappointed to be out of government. I'll just get this out of the way. Yeah. Because there is, of course, one two-party combination outside of a grand coalition with Labour and National that would comfortably command a majority, regardless of the result in the Port Waikato by-election. Would you consider having any conversations with the National Party? Well, the, the Christopher Luxon said last week categorically he wasn't interested in working with us, so he hasn't called us. <laughs> you don't expect him to? No, I don't expect him to. If he did, would you be interested in having those conversations? Well, I'll just say, as I said to you, Last time, Jack, it would be rude not to pick up the phone, but ultimately that's, you know, uh, that's up to the incoming Prime Minister and I cannot imagine why he would try and work with a party that is as philosophically different uh, from his party where he's got someone in the ACT Party who's much more philosophically the same. And the, the thing that gets me about that question, nobody ever goes to the ACT Party and says, why wouldn't you work with the Labour Party? Mm. Right? No one ever says, you know, for the sake of the country... You know, a good dose of libertarian... Uh, well, I suppose you know, the ACT Party doesn't build itself around the central concern that is an existential crisis, right? They, 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 don't, they don't say our, our, our primary concern is the existential cli crisis of climate change, and thus if a crisis is that 
critical. If we need to act that quickly, we'll do anything. Yeah, look, I get that. But also, by the same token, every party should be treating climate change as the existential crisis that it is. Mm. Like, it, it should not be uh, ghettoised in, in the Green Party or, or on the left. Mm. You know, this, this is something that we all, we all face, right? And, and I think every party needs to be credible on it. Talk to us about Wellington. Um, pretty remarkable to consider. Not only uh, Wellington Central, Tamitha Paul yep. becoming a new MP, uh, Rongotai, Julianne Genta comfortably ahead at the moment. Yep. Well, not, I mean, it's close, but, but yeah. she probably, yeah. probably set to hold that. Oh, yeah, my understanding is Fleur did bring her to concede. So oh, I think, there I you go. The, I think that, you know, they probably got to the point but that's where... That's that? Yeah. Um, and add to that, of course, Tori Fano. Yes, so what does that say about the state of politics in Wellington and the support for the party in Wellington? Well, it says that in, in Wellington uh, you've got a, a city um, that you know strongly believes in things like public transport rather than roads. Um, so good luck to Simeon Brown you know, trying to drill all his tunnels in Mount Victoria uh, against opposition from the local MPs and from the council. Uh, it, it, you know, you've got a, a, a population that you know, is kind of very concerned around climate change, um, who is very motivated to make sure that we take everyone with us, that we don't leave anyone behind. So, you know, I just, I think uh, we've always had very, very strong green support and now we've converted that into local representation, which I'm delighted about. What do you make of Labor's result last night? Well, it was obviously a shellacking, right? I mean, it was it was a terrible result for them. Um, and, you know, they lost some really, really good people. Uh, they'll be feeling quite shattered, I would imagine. What do you put it down to? Uh, look, I think... And that's up to them, you yeah. know? I think they've got to, got to go back and um, uh, kind of analyse their campaign and, and some of the kind of strategic things. I, I mean, frankly, even if they'd made every... Uh, strategic decision right and if they'd had perfect execution they would still be pushing the proverbial uphill with the rake because yeah. you know we are in a situation where you know pe and people may understand that the reasons are to do with the Ukraine war or to do with uh, you know COVID um, supply chains being all messed up or whatever it doesn't matter when you know your block of cheese is $13 a kilo and you've got to pay you know you're spending more than 50% mm. of your income on rents and you know that that kind of stuff and your mortgages you know people are refixing at 8% when they when they bought it too all of that you know the reasons for that don't matter people are just in this in this situation that they are in and so i think any any income <clears throat> sorry any incumbent party if it had been the national party they yeah. like they they would have they would have you know faced an uphill battle as well how are you going to be effective in opposition uh, the way that we always have been, Jack. Um, we've got a you know a big new team. I've got half the MPs coming in on Monday will be new. Mm. First time we've had that situation since 2011, um, and and that gives us a lot more spread. It means that we'll be able to be on every select committee. Um, it means that we'll be able to ask more questions in the House. It means that we'll have uh, frankly more staff uh, resource to help us with kind of research and analysis and things like that. Um, and you know and we you know people will be really fired up and ready to go. Have you had any thoughts as to your personal future? I haven't, Jack. I mean, well, I mean, at one level you think about it all the time, but, you know, I said to you uh, before the election that I was just putting all my all, yeah. all in on, on winning. Yeah, you've had eight hours to consider it now, James. It's all the time in the well, world, isn't barely, it? Barely, and I, I have to say I wasn't doing a lot of thinking for some of that, so um, <laughs> I was doing quite a lot of drinking. Uh, but, 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 no, I just, you know, ha haven't really had a chance to kind of think, think all of that through. Do you reckon that once the specials are in, the Greens can expect another seat? I don't know. I don't know. I'd obviously like one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we just ticked over from 13 to 14 MPs quite late last night. That means it's quite a big hurdle to get to the 15th. Yeah. 
But the number of specials, I understand, was bigger than it's been before. 567,000. That's huge. 20%, huge that's massive. Huge numbers. Yeah. yeah, huge numbers. And and they, you know, a lot of those will be students voting from out of town. You know, you've got the international votes. Both, both of those kind of tend to favour the Greens, historically. So you never know. I'd love to get Kahurangi Carter in from Christchurch. She, she'd be a fantastic MP. Um, she'll come up to Wellington to do induction just in case. Um, but I, I've been in her position before. I was number 15 on the list back in 2011 when we got 14 MPs in then too. So I know the experience that she'll be going through. Well, congratulations on the result last night. Thank you very much for getting up early after a big night. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Green Party co-leader James Shaw. Stay with us. Q&A is back after the break. Hawkey Maiti, we welcome back to Q&A. Joining me now is the new MP for Tāmaki, Act Second Electorate MP, Brooke Van Velden, who has triumphed over her opponent, Simon O'Connor. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Nick. What do you make of that result? I think it's a lot of hard work um, from our local team, um, the local supporters, and also the local community. Um, and I'm just very humbled to serve as the new MP for Tamaki. Did you expect that kind of margin? I mean, several thousand votes separating you and Simon O'Connor, the incumbent national MP. I think it was really hard to predict exactly how big the margin was going to be, but certainly out in the community it felt like people were looking for change. Um, and this campaign, remember, started with zero, because we've never tried to win the second seat before. Um, and then it started to grow as more and more people said, Brooke, we want you in Tamaki, we want choice this year for our election. Um, and people have responded to it. So it's been a lot of hard work from the local community, uh, helping and supporting me through 130 street corner meetings in three months, public meetings, coffee catch-ups, going to the local parks, local schools, just being out in the community listening to people, because that's what I've heard resoundingly, is that the people of Tamaki want a strong voice in Parliament. Mm. Uh, how different is your life going to be now? now, now going, from, going from being in opposition to... You know, potentially being in government, but also being an electorate MP. You, your workload's going to about triple overnight, right? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of hard work. There's no <laughs> questions about that. Um, but look, I've had a great mentor in David Seymour, and I've, I've seen how you can be a leader in Parliament, uh, but also a very hard-working local MP. And I haven't met anybody in Epsom who doesn't believe that David is the hardest-working MP in Parliament. And that's what I'd like to bring to Tamaki as well, being a leader, but also being on the ground with the constituents and listening, hearing those concerns and advocating. Talk to us a little bit more about Act's result more broadly. Act sitting at 9% on the current count, so still half a million special votes. Um, but on those numbers, you are returning to Parliament with 11 MPs, your best ever result. Oh, it's amazing. And I just want to thank everybody um, who has backed ACT this year, not just to have a change of government, but to have a government of real change. And I look forward to ACT being part of a strong, stable government. But we'll have to see where those uh, next 500,000 votes land. Uh, but it does look like we can have real change. Uh, but thank you, everybody, who's lent us your vote this year. Talk to us a little bit about the new MPs you're going to be bringing into Parliament. Oh, we've got some amazing new faces, you know, Todd Stevenson with his background in pharmaceuticals um, and advocating for more choice uh, within Pharmac. Uh, we've got Andrew Hoggard, the ex-Federated Farmers President, and I know that he'll be a very strong voice uh, for rural New Zealand. Uh, we're bringing along Pamji Pama, returning to Parliament, uh, who will also you know, bring a strong voice for small business and entrepreneurship, um, and the list goes on. Mm. Um, but of course, I'm also very proud to bring 
bring in Cameron Luxton, uh, who worked really hard in the by-election. I think it was last in year. In Tauranga, yeah, we yep. yeah we remember that Cameron Luxton. He he's the yeah yeah he, he's he, he'll be a, a, an MP to watch for sure. A couple of cheeky questions before we let you go. Um, number one, given you now both have electorates, is ACT considering a co-leadership model? No, we haven't considered a co-leadership model. Um, David firmly has my support <laughs> as the leader. Um, but look, I think really what this is is about local democracy working. Mm. MMP has been around for nearly 30 years um, and people can have choice in their electorate MP and I'm just very humbled and grateful that people have uh, backed my campaign and I want to serve well as the MP for uh, Tamaki. What about a Cabinet Minister? Look, I would be... Um, very humbled to serve in that capacity too, but of course uh, it's more important for us in ACT to make sure that we get the policy wins that help New Zealand thrive. And, you know, when I've been out talking on the streets, mm. people have been less concerned about who holds which ministerial roles, but being very clear that we have to get serious on crime, we have to get cost of living under control, and we've got to stop the division that's being created in our society. That being said, is there a portfolio that stands out as perhaps one you'd be most interested in? Look, I will go where um, the party and the new government think it's best for me to serve. Um, but of course, I'm just thrilled with what the results are looking like tonight or yesterday night, uh, where we had mm. um, a government of real change looking likely on the cards um, and also uh, just very humbled to be part of uh, the Tamaki community as the local MP. Congratulations on the result. Tamaki's new MP and acts to IC, Brooke Van Velden. Kilda. Stay with us. QA's back after the break. Tēnā koutou, welcome back. One of the seats that flipped from Labour back to National last night was the seat of Wired Upper. The seat had been held by Labour Minister Kieran McAnulty, who some had mused may be a future leadership prospect for Labour. On the current numbers, McAnulty looks likely to remain in Parliament, coming in on Labour's list. But he was frank with reporter Abby Wakefield about what last night's result means for Labour's future. Obviously not the result Labour wanted tonight, though. How will you re rebuild from this? That's a good question. It's probably not one I can answer tonight. I don't know. Like, we're going to have to look at it and reflect on it, but I'm not going to uh, offer any insights tonight when I haven't had a chance to talk to my colleagues and actually look at the numbers. To be honest, all I've been doing tonight is refreshing the Wadded Upper page. Just got a call from one of my mates who'd lost their seat and I didn't even know. So, um, yeah, that's a job for tomorrow and Monday, I think, but not tonight. How was it going over and talking to Mike Butterick at that National Party HQ just across the road? Oh, it was fine. It had to be done, and I think it's important. And um, I always remember back to when I lost in 2014 and 2017. I rung the candidate and I wasn't invited there, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I thought, always thought that if I won the seat, I would invite the candidate over, and I did last time. And since I did that, I thought it was important I went there, and I did. And Mike's a good guy. Um, and he's worked hard, and I'm sure he'll give it his all. So it's important that I congratulate him in person, I think. Karen, does Labor need a new leader after tonight? That's not a question I can answer tonight. Let us go away and reflect on things and look at the numbers. I, I don't even know who's lost their seat, man. Honestly, like, I've been talking to so many people tonight, I've been talking to the media, gone round to the National Party HQ, I've thanked my supporters. I don't even know the other results. Um, so let's just look at that. We'll reflect on that on Monday, um, but uh, whatever happens, it'll be the decision that caucus makes. 
Now, you were asked during the campaign, do you want to be the next Labour Party leader? And you said, absolutely no. not. Is that still the case tonight? 100%. Absolutely. Who would want that job? I don't want it. No way. No, it's not for me. I, all I care about, genuinely, is doing stuff for my region. And, um, you know, you asked the question there, is that does being a minister drag you away from the region too much? Well, Christ, what would be Letter of the Opposition like? No thanks. But, Kieran, you're a good communicator. You know, you start your press conferences by saying, you know, here's the guts of it, and you have that way with people that people seem to like. If you go back to Parliament and your colleagues call on you to be the next Labour leader, will you say no to that? Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, certainly not now that I didn't hold the seat. Um, but even then, I'd say no. I don't want to do it. I just, you know, like, I'm getting married in January. I want to be a dad. I don't want to be a dad that never sees his kids. Good on them that does want to do it, but not for me, no. Categorically ruling it out. 100%. No way. Karen McAnulty speaking to reporter Abby Wakefield uh, last night. Mike Butterick is set to be the new MP for Whited Upper. One of the very interesting things last night going through the results was the performance of Te Party Māori, not necessarily in the party vote, where Te Party Māori on the current count recorded 2.6% of the vote, but in the Māori electorates. Of the seven Māori electorates, Te Party Māori has picked up four. Waiariki, Te Tai Hauaudu, Hauraki Waikato and Te Tai Tonga. With us this morning is Morgan Godfrey. He's a senior lecturer at Victoria University. Tēnā koe. Thanks for Tēnā being koe, here. Jack. A late night last night, so we appreciate the early start. What do you make of that result? Uh, it was uh, surprising. I think it was a f probably the first time that uh, all of my calls in the Māori electorates have been wrong. Uh, not the first time that the polls have been wrong, uh, but genuinely I do think very few people saw the scale of their win coming. Uh, winning to Taitunga is just one example. Uh, it's shocking when the Tirikatine family has held the seat uh, for more than 70 years in the past century. Uh, that is yeah. the kind of scale that we are, are looking at. So uh, it does make, uh, I think, a significant difference to the final result, assuming that uh, the electorate seats they win comfortably outperform the party vote that they will win uh, once the special votes come in. So there is still a little bit of uncertainty uh, around what happens to the final general election result uh, as a result of what has yeah. happened to the Māori What does electorate? it say, though, about, about, about sentiment within those Māori electorates, especially when you consider the nature of the generational change that is at play, seeing the likes of Nanaia Mahuta and Rino Tirikatane voted out in those electorates? I mean, I mean, Nanaia Mahuta has been an MP for 27 mm. Years. The, the, the Labour ministers generally did worse uh, than, for example, Kushla in Ikarod uh, Afiti, yeah. rather, uh, who did better as the insurgent campaigner. Uh, so I think the mood for change was present within the Māori electorates as well as the general electorates, but it expresses itself a little bit differently uh, because your options are slightly more constrained in the Māori mm. electorate. So uh, a mood for change in a Māori electorate looks like Te Pāti Māori as opposed to um, national or whoever else uh, it might be. So I think we see the same sentiments uh, unfolding in the Māori electorates, but they just unfold in a mm. different uh, way. And I mean, there's probably a little bit of humility that uh, commentators and pollsters and other observers of the Māori electorates need to um, indulge in at the moment because I don't think anyone predicted the scale of, of their win, um, which shows just how maybe... 
um, out of touch with what is going on on the mm. ground uh, in Māori electorates, uh, not just, you know, pundits and so on are, but also the Labour Party itself. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing to think that um, the MP replacing Nanaia Mahuta after her 27 years in Parliament is just 21 years old. Mm. Hannah Rafati Maipi Clark set to be the new MP for Hauraki Waikato. After that result came through last night, here's what Nanaia Mahuta had to say. You are the mother of the house. You are the longest continuously serving female MP and alongside Jerry Brownlee, who's the father of the house. How are you feeling about what's unfolded tonight in your seat and others? Well, can I say, first of all, it's been an absolute privilege to serve my electorate of Hauraki Waikato under the Labour banner. Uh, what we've been able to achieve in this last six years of being government has been absolutely incredible, and especially for Māori. And we've taken the nation far, much way towards, I think, the country want, we want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's going to be a challenge, um, but it's not over yet. And I know uh, that right to the end of uh, closing of polls, our team has been working really hard. That was Nanaia Mahuta speaking to reporter Nicole Bremner last night. I'll bring Morgan Godfrey back in here. Talk to us a little bit more about Ikaro Rafiti, because of course Mika Whaiteri, after that very high-profile shift from Labour to Te Pāti Māori, ended up losing the seat. Uh, yeah, we were commenting last night, Jack, that uh, if Te Pāti Māori said no to Mika, they probably would have won that seat. Uh, so there, there's a, a kind of cruel irony uh, in that there. But I think, she, again, she was uh, first a victim to uh, perhaps her own hubris in that her voters did not know why she left Labour. It was not clear other mm. than some kind of perhaps spiritual or ideological journey that she was on and all power to her on that journey. But it was never made quite uh, clear what that meant to ordinary uh, people. So she was very much the mm. victim of that and also the victim of a mood for change. And she was the incumbent uh, and the challenger or the insurgent campaigner came through uh, and quite comfortably uh, took her out. It probably wasn't as close as uh, people were predicting there either. Yeah, I, one thing I'm really interested in is fast-forwarding three months or so and imagining uh, a future National Act government. Act has been explicit in saying its number one priority is a referendum on the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. Te Pāti Māori has been explicit in saying it is a tiriti-led party. They're returning to Parliament with four MPs on the current count. How do you see those contrasting dynamics playing out in the coming months? I think John Key, uh, Sir John Key put it best uh, when he said policies like that will cause hikoi's from hell. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we National and Act uh, go to the negotiation table. Perhaps the first thing to be negotiated away would be that referendum. Uh, because I'm sure Chris, Lux Chris Luxon and the people advising him are, are sensible enough to know uh, with a resurgent to party Māori, um, with a strong Māori activist base, that that kind of thing is not worth the fight that mm. it would cause. Um, to party Māori, if you were cynical, perhaps you could say that they would relish that kind of fight, but actually I think they would prefer to see that sort of thing fall away and that rhetoric fall away. Thank you so much for your time and analysis. We really appreciate it. Tēnā koe, Morgan. That is Morgan Godfrey. One of Te Pāti Māori's new MPs is Takuta Ferris. It was a surprise result for many last night, Takuta Ferris getting up over the incumbent Rino Tirikatane in Te Tai Tonga. And Takuta Ferris is with us this morning. Tēnā koe, congratulations and thank you so much for being with us. How does it feel waking up knowing you're set to be an MP? Yeah, kia ora, kia ora Jack. Uh, what's it, uh, It doesn't feel too much different here, Hoa. 
um, you know, we're used to building into our people and it's what we do. And this is just us, we'll do it in a different place. Talk to us about your campaign. What do you think got you over the line in the end? Uh, a few things. I think, um, you know, being on the ground is one. Getting around to Waiponomi, it's not an easy task, and everyone knows it's not an easy task. Um, <clears throat> so that, along with, you know, a strong, a, a strong social campaign on, off the back, really, of Rauri and Deb's work over the last couple of... Well, three years in Parliament. You know, the, the thing that we, um, <clears throat> Tiwi Māori, uh, must take away from this election is that our people are up, our people are on their feet, and they are, uh, make, you know, making their intention heard. So there's a big shift on for Tiwi Māori, Jack. Is it fair for me to say that there appears to be a generational shift? When I think about Te Tai Tonga, you replacing Rino Tirikatane, we look at Hauraki Waikato, and the changing of the guard from Nanaia Mahuta to Hana Rafati Maipi Clark. What does that say about what young Māori want? Yeah, I think it says a couple of things, um, Jack. It says, number one, all of the investment that our, our parents, our grandparents put in to Māori education and uh, reclaiming Māori spaces and believing in ourselves from the 70s till now has sort of hit the ground in the political space. And uh, young people, our young people are, are educated. They're aware of why and how inequities exist and continue to exist. And one of the big jobs for Te Pāti Māori is to continue to raise that understanding within our people, educate our people up, lead it forward, so that they can stand up and, or, you know, all move together. What will be Te Pāti's Māori, uh, Te Pāti Māori's strategy in opposition? Oh, I think it's just the same. It's to highlight inequity, you know, build into our people an understanding that makes them stand up and pay attention and be present when things like elections come around. So, you know, just keep doing what we've been doing. Hey, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Congratulations, <laughs> and uh, we look forward to speaking again soon. Yeah, That is Taku Teferis, the new MP for Te Tai Tonga speaking to us live from Fakatu, Nelson. If I'm not mistaken, that is the gorgeous new Nelson Airport. Stay with us, we're back after the break. Kia ora, Eddie. We welcome back to Q&A and to our panel this morning, Ben Thomas and Sue Maroney. I want to pick up on a point Morgan Godfrey made a few minutes ago. He talked about this being a change election, not just change in terms of national and act looking likely to be in government, potentially with New Zealand first as well, but change right across the board. Ben, when you look at some of those seats, Te Pāti Māori picking up several seats, the Greens winning three electorates, it really is a change right across the board. That's right. So it wasn't just uh, sort of a huge swing of, of Labour seats to National, as we saw, you know, in reverse in 2020, but Labour was just losing to everyone, to its left, to its right, you know, off to the side with Te Pāti Māori, uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the ones, you know, the seat that went against the grain, I guess, was uh, Ikaroa Rafati, and there it was, the incumbent, who was a former <laughs> Labour minister, yeah. uh, you know, during the cyclones, <laughs> who, who, was, who was deposed. So, the, you know, I think that speaks to the sort of level of dissatisfaction, uh, you know, across the country, um, and... You know, I, I guess the only, the only other... The, the one that went against the tide, I suppose, would have been uh, Brooke Van Velden in Tamaki. Uh, but even that's a change. But, but again, yeah, <laughs> the, you know, a, a change from a, an electorate, you know, sort of 
really, you know, b the blue chip electorate of Tamaki, which, you know, itself is probably crushed under the burden of yeah. not having had a senior minister as its representative for about 20 or 30 years. Are you surprised by that result? Um, look, the, the polling always gave her a shot. Uh, it looked, you know, it look, looked I, very I, tight. The polling made it look super tight, right? Yeah, I, I used to work with Brooke before she went and worked yeah. in Parliament. Um, you know, she's a good worker. She presents very well. Um, you know, I, and, and I think also key to it, you know, she's going to be a senior member of, of a government mm. that's uh, formed. You know, mm. she'll be a minister. So, um, you know, that, I think that probably was in the voters' minds as well. Mm. I'm going to come to that point uh, about electorates in just a moment. But, Sue, you agree this has changed right across the board? Oh, absolutely. I think that is the theme, is that um, whoever was there, people are feeling so grumpy about their lives, about how things are for them at present, particularly around cost of living, that whoever the incumbent might be, um, you know, largely suffered a result from that. So it is across the board. There are a couple of instances in which that didn't play out um, how it has across the country. Nelson is a, mm. a very interesting seat to watch because um, Labour could retain that. Now, that's uh, that's often been a swing vote seat, so it's not a safe seat. It, for had, it was held by, by Nick Smith for years, of course. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, and Rachel so, Boyack. So there. Rachel Boyack, if she does hold that seat, that's quite a feat, and I think that's something the Labour Party should look at and see what she did there that, that wasn't... Well, it's interesting, isn't it, because there was always a, a fair bit of Green support, Green Party support or Green candidate support in that electorate. You remember there were a couple of high-profile Green candidate um, electorate campaigns in that electorate, so it'd be interesting to consider how much of that support Rachel Boyack has managed well, to hold on to. I think Nick Smith was really an outlier, mm. you know, keeping it for National all, those all that time as a really, really strong local MP. Um, you know, he was probably holding back the inevitable tides of sort of history and demographic change. Um, you know, some seats we're not sure. You know, the Takanini was a new seat at the last election. Yeah. People weren't sure. Is it Does it lean left? Does it lean right? Well, crushing win for the left in 2020, crushing win for the right in 2023, we still don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, speak to us a bit more about the, the way in which some of those electorates have gone to third parties, because that's a dynamic we haven't really seen for some time. You consider three seats, it looks likely that the Greens will pick up three electorate seats, act now with two electorate seats. What does that do to the relationship between those third parties or smaller parties and Labour and National? Oh, look, I think it does change the dynamic. Um, I would say that, you know, some, losing someone like Ibrahim Omar from um, Parliament, let alone the Labour Party, is actually, mm. you know, a real loss to our Parliament. Um, so those are difficult conversations, but... At the end, I think all of the parties, including the third parties, do remain focused on the party vote. Um, and, of course, having uh, some ability to win seats gives comfort to those third parties that they don't necessarily need to reach the 5% threshold. But beyond that, it becomes a little bit academic, actually, because it's about the party vote and, therefore, the yeah. size of caucus that they bring. In terms of the numbers, it doesn't change things. It, it doesn't really change things, except for maybe Te Party Māori, in terms of seats in Parliament. Mm. That's true. But it does change things in terms of future dynamics, right? And, and it's fascinating to look at the numbers last night, even with National's relatively strong performance. This is the lowest result for the two centrist parties combined, Labour and National, since 2002. So clearly there's a lot of third-party support, Ben. Yeah, look, that's right. And, you know, there was a convergence between the parties. Um, like, uh, you know, like we discussed before, National has been running a small 
small target campaign focused mm. really heavily on cost of living. Um, and that's what Labor tried to pivot to after Jacinda Ardern left the building. You know, Chris Hipkins was very upfront. He said, bonfire of policies, laser focused on cost of living. Now, it didn't quite pan out for him, but what it did do is r really narrow the range of, of uh, policies and interests of those sort of, you know, centre-right, centre-left parties and left a lot of room on the outside uh, for Act in the Greens. And that's why you see sort of historically strong performances there. Yeah, a very... And, uh, sorry. No, and, and the surprise is that it actually spilled over into the electorates as mm. well. Were you surprised to see the Greens picking up three electorates, Rongotai and Wellington Central, as well as Auckland Central? Yeah, look, all of those seemed in play, uh, but for all three of them, I mean, you know, you know, congratulations to Chloe Swarbrick for holding out against the blue tide. Mm. Uh, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't have thought they would get all three. Mm. I think Rongotai would be the most surprising of those three. Um, that has been long considered to be a safe Labour seat. Um, and it's changed hands at this election, but it is the election of change. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk briefly about Christopher Luxon. We haven't spoken about him a whole lot this morning. It is pretty remarkable to think that someone who only entered Parliament a couple yeah. of years ago has become Prime Minister or is set to become Prime Minister. Talk to us a little bit about that rise, Ben. It is a real testament to the power of setting goals and working towards them. You know, uh, Christopher Luxon is a guy, you know, whenever you meet him, you know, he has a clear idea of what he wants. Uh, in this case, it was, you know, to rebuild the National Party, turn it around uh, and, you know, and ultimately, you know, give it give a good crack at uh, winning the Treasury benches and he's done it. You know, and we saw during the campaign just how focused he was, just how disciplined he was. You know, I mean, look, remember the sort of barrage that you gave him on this show, but he he, stu he, stayed, the, he yeah. stayed the course. Um, you know, look, he, he has... He has he really, yeah, it was interesting listening to his speech. You know, he talked about, in, in his interviews afterwards, he said he came into politics to be part of a team that achieves things. Um, teamwork seems to be very important to him. He really values the people around him. Mm. He's really improved Nationals' performance as a caucus. Um, you know, even when he was thanking his family, he said, thanks, team. You know, I mean, he, he takes a real CEO, mi CEO mindset. He stopped talking about stakeholders else. and started yeah. talking about voters, which is a good sign. Yeah, what do you think, sir? A lot out of the John Key playbook. Um, you could see that a lot during yeah. the campaign. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out going forward. But, look, um, he did bring discipline to mm. a very undisciplined caucus. They were having enormous trouble before he stepped into that leadership role. Um, I think actually bringing Nicola Willis and as his deputy and therefore bringing um, the other the other sort of um, uh, rump of the National Party um, into his role, he was, was an important move and that seems to have stayed the course. Thank you so much guys, really enjoying this. Ben Thomas and Sue Maroney, our panel this morning. Stay with us, Q&A's back after the break. All back swings. I'm not looking at the score of the rugby in the air break. OK? <clears throat> Welcome back to Q&A. What will the election result mean for the economy? One News business correspondent Katie Bradford is with us this morning. Kia ora. Kia ora. I think Jack's a bit distracted. I'm not at all distracted. Result. I'm concerned about the state of the economy. I'm just, I'm just making sure that I have the very latest information come to hand. What will the election result mean for the state of the economy? Well, I think uh, we know what National and Act's plans are. It's now that, as you've talked about all morning, what happens with New Zealand First? Do they come in as part of that? If New Zealand First are there, I think it would be very hard for National to get that foreign buyers tax 
allowing foreign buyers back into the country, for instance. That may be one of their first big hurdles. Uh, I think people will be waiting for those tax cuts that have been talked about the whole time. But New Zealand First and Act also want to see national fiscal plans. They want to see those spreadsheets that we haven't been able to see for the past six weeks. Mm. So there are a lot of issues to look at there. The main thing immediately is over the next few weeks, we're all waiting. Well, it'll all just be a wait and see. We've got inflation figures out on Tuesday, yeah. which may actually be a bit of an early early Christmas present for Chris Luxon if they show that the numbers are, are or down. Or the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> or the opposite. If they're down, they go, oh, well, inflation's down under a national-led government. <laughs> you know, so... so There's some serious spinning given, <laughs> given when those numbers are actually recorded. Yeah. yeah, but but yes, yeah, so that's, you know, that's the first... Um, I guess that's the first bit of economic news we'll have. But in the next few weeks while we wait, things really will be in a holding pattern. Um, I think the thing to keep the closest eye on is the housing market. Are people out there listing mm. their houses today? There's been everywhere I've gone, people I've talked to over the past few weeks, people are saying we're waiting to see what happens with the election. If there's a national government, mm. house prices are going to go up. See, certainty is critical to confidence, mm. right? And, and, and obviously there has been a mood for change right across the electorate. But we are realistically going to be waiting for weeks maybe even more than a month yeah. before we can give absolute certainty as to the state of the next government, right? And that, may, that keeps the economy uncertain at a time where things are already mm. pretty rocky, um, where, where, you know, we've seen petrol prices go up by huge amounts. That's yeah. probably going to affect inflation figures on Tuesday, for instance. They're probably not going to be as, as, as good as we might have thought because of that. That's... You know, over the next few weeks, the markets, the dollar, all of that is just mm. going to sit there in a holding pattern waiting. It also means none of those policies can be started to even be looked at and yeah. refined and gone through Parliament if they need to. Any of those things, none of that will happen while we sit there and wait. You have been in the game a wee while now. <laughs> what, what? What? In the nicest possible way. <laughs> what surprised you about last night? Uh, I think the three, I've just said, James, sure, those three green electorate seats... Um, Definitely. I think Brooke Van Vallen winning Tamaki by such a huge margin. Mm. I don't think they even expected that um, there last night, as soon as you could see early on that she was so far ahead. The cheers at that act event were huge, as you can imagine. And uh, to have such a decisive victory for her, I think, is probably one of the big surprises of the campaign. Yeah. National did seem confident they were going to win. I talked to them. I was out in St. Yeah. Helens a couple of weeks ago with Chris Luxon and Simon O'Connor, and they, they still seemed quite quietly confident that they were going to get it. So that that is probably the biggest blow for them in this election. Mm. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Busy few days ahead, I know. <laughs> that is Katie Bradford, the One News business correspondent. We have almost had enough of politics in New Zealand for one morning, almost. But to finish off, we want to look across the ditch. Of course, Australia had a major referendum overnight on the voice to Parliament, an effort to enshrine an advisory body of Indigenous Australians into the Australian Constitution. Aziz Al-Safin is, is the One News Australia correspondent, and Aziz is with us this morning. Aziz, talk us through the results. Yeah, Maria, Jack. Look, while New Zealand voted for change last night, Australia did anything but the result was pretty overwhelming, actually. Um, they have decided not to enshrine the proposal for the voice to parliament into their constitution. Um, overwhelmingly, they voted against it. Uh, at the moment, there's about 74% uh, of the votes have been counted, and as it stands, 60% of Australians have voted against it. Uh, you know, Tasmania was tipped to be one of the states that was polling ahead in the yes vote. Last night it only achieved 41%. Victoria was looking like it could have been uh, 
going across the line. However, that only achieved 45%, the, uh, the majority um, in, in that state, which, uh, as you know, uh, this referendum needed to achieve a double majority, both in votes and in states, at least four out of six states, and it's achieved no states. Um, and no majority in, in total number of votes. Now, Anthony Albanese, he launched this campaign, uh, you know, in, in 2017 actually was when the statement was launched, but he launched his referendum in March this year. It's been six months um, of a very emotional campaign, I think we could say for him. Um, he said that it's been very close to his heart, uh, but last night conceded defeat. He said that this referendum um, was a very hard burden to bear in the the result uh, this morning um, will be a hard one as well. Have a listen to what he had to say last night. As Prime Minister, I will always accept responsibility for the decisions I've taken, and I do so tonight. But I do want Australians to know that I will always be ambitious for our country, ambitious for us to be the very best version of ourselves. I will always be optimistic for what we can achieve together. So as you can imagine, some very uh, hard discussions will be had today and for the future. Now, he has been criticised uh, of not providing enough detail. That is what opposition leader Peter Dutton has consistently criticised him of uh, in the last six months. And this is what he had to say last night after the result. This is the referendum that Australia did not need to have. The proposal and the process should have been designed to unite Australians, not to divide us. And what we've seen tonight is Australians, literally in their millions, reject the Prime Minister's divisive referendum. The Prime Minister clearly was not across the detail and he refused to explain or answer reasonable questions from Australians. So there you have it, confirming that the voice to parliament will not be enshrined in the constitution, a body will not be created. Um, as for what happens next, well, that is really a discussion for the Australian public. Uh, Albanese has already ruled out putting uh, a voice to parliament through. They could, uh, they have the powers to, but uh, he has said that he will not be doing that. Um, so yeah, not a vote for change here in Australia, Jack. Hey, thank you so much, Aziz. A really interesting result in Australia overnight. We really appreciate your time. That is the One News Australia correspondent, Aziz Al-Safin. We are almost out of time on Q&A this morning. Before we wrap up, I want to get some final thoughts from our panellists. Before I get your takes on the election as a whole, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? Ben Thomas. I think everyone will have a deserved rest <laughs> for a while. Uh, wait to see how the specials sort out. And then I think that... Uh, Christopher Luxon, uh, Winston Peters and David Seymour will come to uh, an accommodation which will allow probably a National Act government with New Zealand first off to the side with a few sort of concessions, maybe even as a support party, maybe even with Winston Peters as a minister, but not sort of, uh, you know, as a major, major partner. What do you see happening, Sue? Uh, watch the superannuation space is what I would say. Um, yeah. National said that they would lift the age of eligibility and uh, sometime in the future. Act said they'll do it tomorrow. Um, well, they want to start the process tomorrow, <laughs> right? They want to start the yeah. process from next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. next year. That, that process start the process. Yeah, so yeah. so um, I think that's the space to watch. If Winston has anything to say about that, then um, they won't be able to proceed. But um, it would be very inter interesting to see how 
all of the detail rolls out around coalition agreements. Mm. I also think it's going to be really interesting to watch that um, Port Waikato by-election. I mean, just to imagine a world... I mean, by my mathematics, I think ACT still has a lot of money to spend in its campaign, um, in its campaign kitty, and you can imagine a scenario in which ACT decides to really aggressively contest that seat, hoping that actually they could have, you know, maybe a, a two-seat majority um, or, or, or a slightly bigger majority than they do now in the new parliament, which would mean, of course, that they wouldn't need the support of New Zealand First. Could that happen? They didn't seem to have an appetite for it this morning. Not um, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I mean, I, I think that they... I, I can't see them going aggressively after that seat. I think it, w it will be held by National. Mm. Um, but anything can happen. Mm. OK, final takes then. How do you think uh, we will reflect upon last night and the weeks to come? Oh, we will see it as being the, where people decided that they wanted to change their current circumstances and whatever that meant, um, locally or nationally, they were prepared to do that. Yeah. What do you think, Ben? Uh, we'll see it as a, a huge uh, swing back. Um, there's a lot of noise during the campaign, but history is not so much ridden by the victors as the victories. And people looking back will say National ran a great campaign, ACT ran a great campaign, and they got a, a very good result. Yeah. I, I hate to um, invoke too many clichés, but isn't it amazing how things change? Mm. We were sitting here three years ago digesting what was likely the first majority government in MMP history. Labor today has ended up with almost half the vote. They're going to be losing 30-ish MPs. That's and a, a, week remarkable is, a week is still a long time in politics. That yeah. still stands true. And, and one of the things that people people have worried about and been concerned about over the you know, particularly since COVID is increasing polarisation in society mm. and it's really interesting to look at New Zealand in contrast with say somewhere like America where you know our votes swing wildly between mm. the centre left and the centre right and you know people really are making up their minds you know on the basis of what's in front of them and not necessarily tribal preferences and I think that's a positive thing. Mm. Kia ora kōrua. On that note, thank you so much for your time and your analysis this morning. We really appreciate you choosing us over the rugby. <laughs> um, ben Thomas and Sue Maroney, great to have you here. Just so you know what is happening today, we are expecting to hear from New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters sometime later this morning. That's what they've told us. You ne can never be totally sure until you see Winston Peters turning up in front of the cameras. Of course, we will have extended coverage of the election results from last night and all of the response today at onenews.co.nz. My special coming up. The One News team will be back at six tonight. For now, though, kumatu. That is Q and A for this week. From the Q and A team, thank you for watching. Now, mihi kia koutou inga karere. Thanks for your feedback. Hey, Tera Wiki. We will see you next Sunday at 9am. Q and A is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air.